Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're back for part two of our discussion of the offense. And joining me is my co-host from Matchups on uh, the the pregame preview. Uh, and that's Frazier Tafar. Frazier, how you doing? Doing good, Ken. Excited to be back for part two and looking to dive in more depth into our offensive players. All right. Well, sounds good. We'll get to some individual um, uh, skill position performances. We'll talk MVPs. We have a little bit of mailbag if we have time for that. Um, but as always, we we start with the offensive line. Yeah. So this week, I do want to go from like right, left to right. And let's start with Stanley and what you thought about his performance this week. Yeah. So Ronnie's obviously continued the very difficult season he's had. He didn't actually allow a sack in this game, which I think was something that we can take as a positive from this game. But five and a half pressures. Most of those were to Mac. Not all of them. I think one of them was not. Um, He didn't. he, He still has a pretty good mirror. And he is setting up very quickly in terms of getting off the line of scrimmage. Uh, You can tell there's cadence he's working with rather than trying to wait for the snap and see it um, as he might against lesser pass rushers. But facing Mac for a lot of this game, uh, Khalil gave him a tremendous amount of trouble and and he needed that extra jump uh, to get off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And uh, just looking at his technique, I think uh, as a former offensive lineman, at the peak of Ronnie's career, especially in 2019, he was someone who passed set and was able to catch an anchor well. And now that he's had the injury, he's trying to continue the same technique, but it's just his ankle is not able to hold up. And then you add the knee injury on top of that. It just doesn't make a good formula for success. And it, it was disappointed to see how Ronnie would get off the ball fast, get the advantage on the pass rusher, and then still get put into Lamar's lap and be on one foot uneven. It was just a tough sight to see from Ronnie, even though he didn't give up a sack. Yeah, I, I, I can't even begin to understand what Ronnie's going through in terms of pain, in terms of discomfort, in terms of lack of mobility or utility of, of his leg, in terms of being able to plant with that left leg in particular. Um, it's it's got to be frustrating as hell for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's obviously frustrating for us to 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 watch what happens with the roller case, but roller skates. But but consider you know what this athlete is doing. He's obviously trying everything he can to interpose himself still between Mac and Lamar. And those bump pressures that he would allow in 2019. I talk about this often on the show, but like but one of his stylistic um, methods to give up inconsequential pressure is to basically give ground while mirroring extremely well. It's kind of the Ronnie Stanley trade line at trademark. And Lamar has always been very good at taking that bump pressure 
uh, knowing when it's coming, knowing when to leave the pocket, but also even if it if it comes as a bump, it doesn't usually come as a huge paw from the from the defensive end on that side slapping the football out of his hands. Um, that's been that's been very infrequent in in Ronnie's entire career, and he's been able Lamar has been able to run from that sort of pressure very effectively. Well, in this game, it was it was much worse than that. Obviously, one time Lamar actually did run him out of the pressure, but um, Ronnie tripped up Lamar in the pocket. He was, you know, he's he, he was not down by contact from a defender. He's down by contact from from uh, from Ronnie. But Lamar actually got up off his knee and and ran left for a for a first down or for first down or for almost a first down. It was halfway, I think. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you, 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 the false start he picked up, he was actually cheating versus Mac. So uh-huh. you know, he was he was trying to get out of the stance quickly. And you noticed some early ones, I know, in this game that you were pointing out in the production meeting. I, I noticed some early ones on both sides. I thought Trey Pipkins was off two-tenths of a second early on one particular play where it was literally six clicks on my DVR at 30 per second. So six yeah. clicks is two-tenths of a second um, where he was early before that ball moved. You saw several. Yeah, it was uh, all night. It seemed like those tackles were getting a little leniency from the refs. So I think uh, – it gave me a little flashback of Michael Orr and how quick yep. he would get off the ball. It was uh, it was interesting. He would get caught a couple of times, but with Michael, I think he was more so an enforcer rather than a mirror like Ronnie, so it kind of worked out a little better for him. So it's just funny to see. Michael Orr was definitely someone who cheated off the line of scrimmage all the time. And there's a bunch of ways that they can do that. If the guard is calling the plays, he kind of works off the timing of the guard's tap. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, he can work off head bobs. But they have cadence that they're running. And some of the guys really need to use the cadence. And it's usually offensive tackles getting into a true pass set that, that need to use it most. Um, but it, it can also be when you're particularly in short yardage, you want all your guys using it. To, to basically get off and and get low and allow your 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 guy to make uh, uh, make hay on fourth and one, but that's how you know you, the entire line gets off at the same time uh, occasionally. So anyway, uh, very frustrating game from Ronnie. There's a little bit more on this. He had a um, an IBW um, that that was on the it was defense back number the safety number thirty three or maybe he's a corner. I forget who that. That might be Dean Leonard um, or Leonard Dean. Um, anybody? Anyway, he blocked him in the back. Uh, on a little pass out to the right. Uh, so was, I think it was a, a, effectively a screen pass, but it was a pass he was out in front of, and he he blocked the guy in the back. So that's a big costly penalty because it's post snap. Yep. And you 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 know then you have you give the other team the option, and then the other one which it didn't go to him, but the Gus Edwards holding call is yeah. really on Ronnie because he 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 had lost the battle to Mac on the inside, and then I think it was to Mac and and. Uh, uh, Edwards then held him up. Yeah, it was the, he, yeah, that, that play. Talking about the play itself, I like the design where they faked it to Gus, roll right, and then come back left to likely. It was just unfortunate to see a good play wiped out by mm-hmm. a penalty that was, you know, kind of an unforced error, didn't need to be. Um, yeah, Ronnie was not having a good night. Seven missed blocks in this game. Four of those were losses at the line of scrimmage. I distinguish those because the losses at the line of scrimmage usually are getting beat by the man opposite you. Other missed blocks occur. Probably the most common ones are pull no block and L2 NB on our sheet, which means he moved to level two but couldn't find a block. Mm-hmm. Um, 
those are not as serious. And, you know, when those pile up, sometimes it's just a natural consequence of, of having a pretty good day running the football and you're, you're into level two and getting, you know, looking for blocks. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But, uh, but the four missed blocks at the line of scrimmage uh, were bad. And that included two times where Lamar ran him out of the pressure. The one we already talked about, there was one other as well. So um, I docked his adjustment fairly heavily. For that, he would have normally gotten a big adjustment going against Khalil Mack for a lot of the night, but uh, but I had to take some of that away because of those two pressures Lamar saved him from. Uh, four blocks in level two, one pancake, four to six on poles, one highlight. Uh, the highlight, he, did, he didn't have a highlight combination. That was most of the other linemen, but he had a nice highlight where he blocked two guys on the back end of a pass play, which is something I still love to see Ronnie Stanley being a heady pass defender because he knows – he does this on run plays sometimes too. When he's blocked one guy, he knows one guy's out of the play and he chooses to switch targets and block to another player and get that player so far out of the play that he can't possibly pursue and catch up. And uh, it was really nice to see that at least from him in this game. Yeah, some good things coming out, but overall definitely need improvement. Yeah. F overall, uh, .07 short of passing – now, this is really bad. So uh, if you're a tackle, you need a 60, a .60 on an adjusted score basis to get a passing grade. His raw score, so this is the one before adjustment, and the adjustment can only be between um, 0 and .10 um, is, is, the, is, the enti- is the maximum range I allow for, for the subjective adjustment that is, includes things that are not included in the, in the scoring system. Uh, including the quality of the opponent, by the way. So Mac would have been one he, he'd have gotten a big one for here. But his raw score for the whole year is only .60. I mean, that's right at the replacement level, frankly. Moses, by comparison, is .77, which is pretty darn good. And McCary is at .71. So even McCary is a full grade level ahead of him, playing a mix of left tackle and right tackle, but mostly left. Moses is a, is two grade levels ahead of him. Um, playing right tackle, and admittedly, some things about that are easier. They've done some things to try and help Moses in terms of pass blocking, but he's just been far more effective, frankly, than Ronnie for the entire year. And um, if you're looking at PFF's pass blocking score, all I can say is I, I'm, I'm watching a different ball game from what they're watching. I know I have a three-second standard, and there, and there are more pressures created by moving players into the cone but they've got Ronnie for actually a pretty decent pass blocking score for the year. And I just, I, frankly, I don't agree. So uh, uh, that's, unfortunately, I think that's where we are with Ronnie. I guess I'd ask you, Frazier, they're going to have to replace a tackle, at least one tackle in 25, and it might be two. Should they do this as a two-year project where they draft a tackle in each of the next two years? It's really tough because this year, the, the draft coming up after this year, it's almost like we have to take a tackle but we still have Ronnie under contract so I'm saying in the first two premium rounds but we could get maybe a developmental tackle in the fourth or the third round potentially coming up in this draft and the big thing for us is that the draft picks that we had in the past three years with uh, Sala and Falele these guys need to pan out, I think, especially Falele, because he has the size. He has the yes, size. I think that's what he has right now. <laughs> it's, the, it's the size, and, 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 and yeah, he has the size. <laughs> that's I all it that. is. I mean, we talked about it in previous shows. He doesn't have that uh, fire that you need to be offensive <laughs> lineman. And 
he needs to work on that if he wants to continue to be in this league and we need him to be that guy. You're, you're, you're abs- by the way, you're absolutely right. And there wasn't much to add to that. And I busted your chops a little bit here, but that was very funny and very well delivered there. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. It would be an enormous um, windfall at this point, I think, if Fa'alele developed into a serviceable player next year. And any later than that, and I can't really justify the fourth-round draft pick. If you get one year out of a tackle in year four, I mean, the Ravens have, have gotten that from you know players like Ryan Jensen and some mm-hmm. other players further down the line. Um, and and it's really not all it's it's it, at offensive tackle. I just you need somebody who can start by the second year, and and it follow clearly is not there. And I don't know how many years he's going to have to play football to get enough reps in to learn how to strike his opponent in a way that really makes good use of his size. But he's got to do something. He really needs to spend this offseason at an offensive line camp learning how to do that well, or or maybe with one on one work with a with a former tackle yeah i think that would be beneficial for him because he i think he would be the best for the right tackle position yeah. if most doesn't come back and the project needs to be on the, on the left side the left tackle i think we potentially take the one this year and the third fourth round and have it he has a chance to learn under ronnie and get his feet wet and do well and then um I don't know how obviously we would have cap saving if we were to let go of Ronnie coming up next season, but if we were to hold on one more season, the cap savings would be even more. So it would be it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out this whole season, especially if Ronnie continues to play on this crappy projection he's been going. But so now let's go over to John Simpson. I think he has continued to struggle this year. This game has been no different. What did you see from him this week? An unspectacular game. Uh, you know, I think that's that's fair. But I, I, it hasn't all been bad from John Simpson when he's been avoiding penalties. This is a game where he, again, avoided penalties. He did have four negative events uh, in the game. Uh, half a penetration. That's on a run play. Allowed somebody in the backfield that contributed to a loss on a run play. 1.5 pressures and a third of a quarterback hit. You know, it's not great. But there's worse games that can occur from guard. I think one of the things I'm seeing that I liked from from Simpson, aside from the no penalties, which is absolutely critical, he's got to he's got to reduce penalties, and he, so far he has not been able to do it. I thought that was something the Ravens would be able to coach out of him, but it really hasn't worked out so far. He's, he, he is the other thing he needs to do is play with better balance. He's extremely vulnerable to the yep. push pull move, and you know you said you played guard in high school. Describe what that's like when you when you get out over your feet a little bit and the defensive lineman can kind of encourage you to do so by kind of pushing at you initially and then pull you down. It's probably the most embarrassing thing because you're you have your one arm one battle in front of you all game and it's a chess match in between you and the, the D tackle and making sure that, you know, you can't give the same look all the time as a guard. And I think that is what is happening with John Simpson. I think people are predicting his steps, almost like when you look at back in the preseason when Jalen Carter exposed Cleveland, I think he already kind of saw that Cleveland was in a robotic pass set and he just took advantage of it and he hit him with the inside and to go back outside move. So Simpson is vulnerable to that because he's not – being creative with what he's doing. He's just a replacement guard 
I think top level players are able to have different intricacies in their game to throw off their defensive uh, matchup. So much has been made on PFF and whatnot about the Ravens having one of the better offensive lines in the league. And yet now we're talking about replacing two tackles over the next two years. No doubt in my mind, Moses is playing for the Ravens next year. There is doubt in my mind that Ronnie Stanley will be back. And it's not entirely the Ravens decision. It's a two-way option this year. The Ravens might decide they don't want him. Stanley may decide he wants to retire. Yeah, and I'm looking at this and and I can't imagine what he's going through as an athlete here. And, and uh, I, I don't, if I were him and I was playing like this, after playing like I had the whole rest of my career, I would just be incredibly frustrated with the game of football. And I, I you know, I, I'd want to try and come back for my teammates. I certainly would want to try and get them a ring this year and get myself a ring for that matter. But um, I also wouldn't want to steal the money from the team for the remainder of the contract. Um, and, you know, he's already a lot of that's in guaranteed bonuses and whatnot where he's already gotten paid for it. But, yeah. um, you know, he want, I'm sure he wants to, to, to do right by the team and his teammates. But uh, on the other hand, you know, this this game is taking a lot out of him, clearly, and he's not the player he once was. Yeah. And it's disappointing. I mean, I hate to dunk on Ronnie, but it's we had so high expectations. And I think we're fools to have those kind of expectations with the kind of injury he had against that Pittsburgh game where TJ Watt just seamlessly doesn't care about anybody, but it's, it's been tough to see his journey and it's going to be interesting this off season with Stanley, but back to Simpson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Did you have something else to say about Simpson in terms of, of, of his technique? It's just his balance. Like it, the, mm-hmm. the thing about me, it's just, I hate seeing offensive linemen on the ground when you're on the ground that you're not being effective, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, the only real offensive lineman that's consistently on the ground is him. And that's just something that pops out to me. That's why I kind of always say he hasn't had a good year. Cause that's, I guess I'm really critical of offensive lineman cause I know the position well. So when he's on the ground, that's, that's a no, no for me. Yeah. It, it, uh, it very, it's very un, unusual to contribute for there. This is a good game of not getting pancaked a lot, but the, uh, he did have five missed blocks. Three of those were losses at the line of scrimmage. That's in addition to the to the other pressure events and whatnot. Here's some good stuff. He went eight of nine on polls in this game. This hasn't been something he's been great at the whole year, but he's been good at it at some points. The Ravens seem to be able to make just about anybody a good puller with enough mm-hmm. work. It's one yep. of the things that Dallas Sanders would be very good. Lowing those footsteps. A lot of that comes from the center not getting his feet tangled up. You know, making the first step correctly there. It's not all the guard, but the guard has to know how to pull out and 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 get on the move quickly to avoid contact from other offensive linemen. And uh, they've done a good job with that. He uh, went at seven level two blocks in this game. Johnson, in the last few weeks, had some really notable blocks. He got in in front of that thirty-two yard play to Mitchell yep. and made two great play two great blocks on that one. He avoided a crackback block by just being positional and knocked the guy down without without it being an illegal block. And then he ran downfield and he almost made the block that, that sprung Mitchell for the entire distance. And um, he's done some done some real positive things. Two highlight combination blocks in this game, three pancakes. Led the team in pancakes, by the way, in this game. Uh, so it's nice to see the other player on the ground instead of him. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, yeah. C overall in this game. By the way, 
I, right now, if you just told me uh, John Simpson was going to score a C, the rest of the I'm I'm not um, uh, I don't grade on the curve in any way. I'm not trying to to create some um, bogus thing where you know the average grade is a B or anything. The average grade is a C or C plus probably for starting offensive lineman. The average grade for a replacement level guy is probably in the D range. Um, it, it, I, I I'd be perfectly happy if Simpson graded out as a C for the rest of the year at this point. Yeah, I think we just need someone to just make sure they don't make the big mistake. That's the main thing. So moving on to center, we have Linderbaum. Uh, I think he had a decent game. Um, the one notable pressure that he gave up was on the Chargers' only three-man rush, where they rushed three and spied two in the first quarter on the first drive. And I don't know. He kind of just let him right through. It was kind of disappointing. But other than that, I think he did pretty good securing the middle. Yeah, he got beaten on a swim move there um, by, who was it? Uh, 64 beaten right by swim 56, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah so it, as a, that, that, was a, that was a tough play. He also gave up a pass defense at the line of scrimmage to 98. So yeah. you know, part, of, part of your, your uh, and you, I'll let you talk a little bit about this, but what do you do with a guy who's obviously kind of two-gapping you as a as a player, so he doesn't have a he might not have the green light to rush, or he may think his best chance to impact the play is to continue to two gap you and take away that passing lane from the quarterback by getting his arms up. Um, to be honest, when you get in that situation, if you don't have a grab of the inside of their jersey, in the sense of just making sure that you have them in the frame, it's kind of tough to control how you prevent bats, uh, balls being batted down, other than just getting up under their pad level and making sure they don't have access to that. But what that, that batted play, I think Zay flowers was coming open and that was another opportunity for the offense to get a first down. But regardless, uh, I think maybe Leonard bombs height might be a little disadvantageous in this situation because he can't get that, uh, certain kind of, motion that you need to bring the um defender down one of the things that ben powers said when he when he joined us on the show was that he he likes to punch the punch the other guy in the stomach it's just basically you know use your striking ability go low on him um it won't always necessarily get his arm down but he may not be able to move his arm as much um in terms of of left to right um brent urban said that said that you know he he Almost nobody can get the ball over Brent Urban when he's got his hands up. So he two two gaps a lot. He's really yeah. looking to take that lanes away from the quarterback, which is very similar to the way he plays run defense way, just denying space. But when he when he has his hand up, um, he says the thing that ha- always happens is the ball seems to go between his head and his right arm when he has his hand up, uh, <laughs> trying to trying to make a play on the ball. So uh, I I. I I thought you were probably gonna gonna go to how you you go for the gut right away and try and you know freeze the guy up at least get him thinking about something else so he's no longer using his fine motor skills to try and and actually line his hand up with the football at that point. Uh, but uh, but that was a it, it was it is a play that that is charged to him. He got two thirds of the quarterback hit um, as well, and I have to go back to when exactly that was. Uh, PD 98 was there minus two there. It was on the second drive of the game, a quarterback hit by 93. He got, he got beaten straight up pretty much bold for the quarterback hit. Um, he did share a piece of that with Simpson who helped phone booth the pocket for him, 
but oh. it was definitely it was mostly litter bomb. It it, it was very close between a, like a minus three and a zero versus a minus two and a minus one, and I made it a minus two and a minus one on the play in in terms of uh, of how that played out. So uh, tough game for Linderbaum because he'd been playing pretty well as a as a pass blocker. It's been the big improvement, one of the biggest improvements on the Ravens all year has been Linderbaum's pass blocking. But this was not a good game. He had he had a lot of trouble. And there are some bigger players, most notably Aaron Donald, coming up uh, over the next few weeks. Um, the San Francisco guys come to mind as well as being um, players that will potentially give Linderbaum some problems with size. I think Aaron Donald has a pick of the litter coming up against the Ravens. I think he's gonna he's gonna be all over the place. I think everyone's gonna get a, a chance at um, at Dallas coming up. So uh, Lindebaum had a fantastic game otherwise. So other than those three pressure events we just talked about, mm-hmm. and one missed block only, it was a loss at the line of scrimmage um, uh, where he had a lot of penetration on a run play. Otherwise, he's perfect as a run blocker the way I scored it. Ten level two blocks, three out of three on pulls, no pancakes, but six highlight combination blocks. I can't tell you how rare it is that somebody gets six highlights in a game. It might be the, and I know no one's had seven the whole year. So it's either the only guy who's had six or he's one of two guys who's had six this year. It's just exceptionally rare that you have enough run plays and enough opportunities to climb in yep. one game where he pins pins somebody for the for the next lineman, the lineman next to him, and then he gets to level two and makes a block. And uh, doing a real good job of maintaining those level two blocks uh, to the point they need to be for effectiveness. Uh, he still is not really a finisher. He's much more of a positional level two blocker. And I know people are going to say, well, I see this play and I see this play. I'm going to tell you, you know, a hits per bat. He's much more of a positional blocker than he is really a finisher, even in level two. Yes. I think uh, Linderbaum had a very good game at the run blocking. Like you said, a little bit of pass issues, but overall, I think he played well. Um, Moving on to Zeitler. Well, a, a B, B for Linderbaum for the game, just to, so so we get the grade in there before the end. So uh, uh, he actually um, – yeah, actually, I'm not looking at his grade right now, so I don't want to make a statement that's that's wrong. But Linderbaum, uh, uh, you know, it's nice to see him back with a, with a fairly high grade. I'll go to it for just a second. So the last – He's had a good he's had a good run of games basically since week eight a minus C plus then an F against Cleveland in a game where he he really had some troubles with uh, two and a half pressures and a penetration um, and then an a um, a against Cincinnati uh, came back strong and then this B against the Chargers so he's he's been on a pretty good run and his overall season he certainly has been um, up there with Zeitler I think just a step behind in terms of being the Ravens best offensive lineman. Yeah, encourage you to see from a second-year player, big time. And um, moving on to Zeitler, I do think he had a good game. Um, what did you think? So um, he's he said, <laughs> incredibly, he's had five straight games before this where he scored at least an A minus. So he got a B in this game, which was his his worst game since the Tennessee game, where he, where he really had a lot of problems with three and a half pressures allowed. Um, but he, he, you know, seven fine games in the last eight. Now it's a, that's an incredible heater. He had played terribly to start the year uh, with three really bad games. I was worried, you know, his, his father time caught up with him. Uh, thank goodness we didn't resign him to an extension or whatnot. Now I think he's going to get a pretty good extension somewhere. He's he's played well enough that um, somebody's probably wants Seitler for three more years coming off of this deal with the Ravens. I don't think the Ravens will have the money to pay him, but I think somebody will obviously creates a problem when you have Simpson and Zeitler, potentially both free agents who will need to be replaced next year. That not only are you looking at 
how do I get a, a two-year plan to get out of both tackles, but how do I get a one-year plan to get out of both guards um, is, a, is a really big question. And I think actually they may re-sign Simpson and, and bring him back. I don't think it'd be – I think it'd be a great depth signing. I think it could work out as the starter. So, uh, uh, you know, I think he, he remains an option. I think it's actually much – it's going to be much more difficult for them to, to find the money to re-sign Zeitler given where they are cap-wise. Yeah, and I think that's why they ended up uh, getting Voorhees in the seventh yeah. round at the back door. So I think uh, they might have definitely have a contingency in plan. We we are wagering so heavily on that being the case, but but don't don't even kid yourself that that's not begging for a yo Levin here at the craps table. Uh, we are we are, we are seriously hoping for something that does not have a really great chance to work out in 2024 specifically. Yeah, Warriors is. Um, I know he's been working out. He's been in the building. He's been lifting weights and whatnot. It's not the same as you know working with Joe D. I'm sure he's been in the classroom some to 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 do some things. I don't know if there's limitations on that. I assume not for injured players. So hopefully he's he's you know learning some things that 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 Dallas Sanders has to. Uh, um, to teach him, but I don't think he's going to learn most of it until he actually gets on the field. And we saw Nico Siragusa with his very serious injury never really became a lineman anymore. He didn't even get any playing time until I guess it was the training camp before his second year after he injured himself uh, he, after he got injured in his in his uh, in his first camp. So it was, it was a it was a long wait to see the guy play, and then. You know, he wasn't the player, obviously, that the that the Ravens hoped he would be after the injury. Yeah, a lot riding on one person. All right, so one one full pressure allowed for Zeitler, one flag for IDP. Zeitler really rides the um, edge. He's a guy who who likes to speed through an area with a lot of speed cams. Let's put it that way, because those <laughs> linesmen are are they have a um, uh, seems to have an emphasis on the IDP calls. The Ravens have a lot of risk of IDP calls because they run so many uh, RPOs, mm-hmm. and so you you know the ball is often out a little bit later than expected from Lamar, and and he's trying to time it, but he's got his back to Lamar, so he can't really see when the pass is coming out. If he waits too long, then he isn't as useful as a blocker. So it's just it's a it's a difficult set of circumstances to work with, um, and it does generate some um, illegally downfield uh, flags. There, he had one of those. Those are very serious flags because they are post snap flags and they allow the defense uh, an opportunity to decline that penalty. And in fact, in this game they did because they had a drive ending play anyway, but uh, uh, still it's a, uh, it's a flag. He saw five missed blocks, two of those losses, to the line of scrimmage, one on, he had another unflagged IDP in this game. Uh, when that happens, I give the player a zero on the play, even mm-hmm. though they're, they, they may have made a block at the line of scrimmage and they're getting out in front of a screen or whatever it might be. He, he gets a zero on that because he, he, put the team at risk for an IDP uh, one out of three on polls, four blocks in level twos, no pancakes, one highlight combination and a B for the game. And again, Zeitler, he is on a hell of a heater right now um, playing some of the best football he has in his Ravens career. These last uh, six weeks now. Yeah. Looking for him to continue that stretch. I'm excited to see if I'm hoping he's able to catalyze the rest of the offensive line with his play and we can get efficiency and cohesion all across the board. Um, moving on to Morgan Moses. He had a good game. Um, he did have a lot of additional help coming off the edge. What did you see in his overall scoring? 
Yeah, continues to have up and down performance, but Moses actually scored pretty well relative to a player like Stanley. I mentioned one of the things I mentioned was that the raw score for Ronnie Stanley was 0. 0.60 for the year. I mean, Moses's low score for the entire year was in week one. He scored 0. 0.59. Mm-hmm. And that was that was his raw score. And then there was an adjustment above that. He just he doesn't have while he is a there's a lot of variation in week to week play, and that's not unusual, by the way, for offensive linemen. Um, you know, they give up plays and they, they get penalties and they, they have variation to what happens. And it, it's no different from any other sport. Like in baseball, we can accept the fact that your star player goes 0 for 5 one day and the next day is 2 for 4 with two homers. And you say, well, you know, you, you accept that variation normally. It's part of the fun of looking at the box score. Well, guess what? Offensive line play is a lot of at-bats. Yep. And you have a lot of opportunities to to make mistakes, and sometimes you do, and uh, sometimes you have a tough opponent, and they force you to make more mistakes. And um, it's just as a um, you know, it's it, there's a, there's a fair amount of variation in place. So anyway, Moses actually one of his games that's pretty much right in the middle for this year. Uh, solid performance, had significant help. He allowed one sack to Mac. The second one we talked about earlier in the first part, at least, was after three seconds. So he kind of blocked Mac twelve to six, being behind the pocket. Uh, with a little help from Ricard on that play, uh, but I didn't charge him with a. I, he actually got credit for his block on that play because the because the uh, the the pocket held up for a, the full three seconds. Had ten missed blocks in this game. That is a lot. Okay, now five of those were cases where he was either pulling and missed a block or went at a level two most of the time and couldn't find a block. Those aren't so serious, but he did lose five times at the line of scrimmage. So even though he only had one negative event that ended up being a sack. Um, uh, he, he, he did have five other times where he lost his battle at the line of scrimmage. And uh, you know, those times Lamar either had the ball out quickly or, uh, it was a run play or, uh, or, or something else. But there, there are definitely times where he, he did not get it done at the line of scrimmage of the game. Four blocks in level two, no pancakes, three out of four on poles. Moses is still very good at getting mm-hmm. points on his poles. Uh, he did have, I think, at least one that was, yeah, I was looking at one right here that's a P1N, meaning he got a courtesy point by running his track on the back end of a counter where no block was made available to him. If he if he, if he he passes up a block or, or whiffs on a block or misses a block as the trailer, he'll get a zero on that play or, or worse. But uh, he uh, uh, in, in this case here, he, he ran his track and there was no one available to block because um, – Either Zeitler or Linderbaum, and I don't remember who it was. In this case, it was Linderbaum made the block in front of him. Morgan does have a high, a high success rate on pulls, mm-hmm. but I would love to see him pick out a linebacker instead of a DB. I personally am not a fan of him doing that. I think if he's going to be the big body coming up out of a pull, he needs to be taking another serious risk for a running back because if we have Gus coming wrapping around his pool i don't think a db is going to be as effective as a linebacker so he needs to take that initiative and take that guy okay i got the perfect guy on the show to talk about this because as an ex-offensive lineman you can you can react to some of this the 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 player i'm going to bring up here is vante leach who is obviously the fullback for the ravens during the super bowl year and and for maybe two three years even in in there uh he was there might have only been two years um but anyway vante leach was really famous as a fullback for always deciding that he would maintain his momentum in order to look for a block. And there is some of that in Moses that you, you're, you, I think you're correct that he often looks to get a defensive back that's further out in front of the play rather than you, do, do a U-turn pull 
where he turns back into the line of scrimmage and tries to seal or tries to even find somebody directly to his left or right. One thing the lineman does when he does that, when he's pulling, is he gives up momentum to do that. So, you know, you as a guard, you must have pulled a lot when you when you played in, in high school, right? Or, yep. or did, did you play? You, you played no college ball, right? High school? Yep, just high school. Okay. So, so when you when you pulled, did your coaches tell you anything about the the decision you make between U turn blocking and going straight ahead and maintaining your momentum? Well, the number one rule: save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Just never let anyone cross your face. Yep. So if anything, I mean, if someone crosses your face at the line of scrimmage, you got to take it. I mean, it's you're going to blow up the play if you don't initiate that, that contact. Past that, I think the the main thing is to you have to be smart as an offensive lineman. It's not going to be drawn up exactly how it is on the piece of paper. <laughs> so you need to be able to find the first guy in the hole and take him. And I think Morgan is doing. Oh, I think we've lost him for a second. He'll be back. Frazier, you there? Yeah, I can hear you now. I just, I just lost you for just a second, but you're back. So you, you said you t- you're talking about not letting anybody cross your face. Take the first guy when you get to the hole. Yep. And it just he ironically, be, it's a DB most of the time. So mm-hmm. I think he needs to be able to – still there, Ken? I'm still here. Yep. Okay. He needs to be able to identify faster a real threat rather than the – the first person that he sees in the hole, I guess you would say. Because Vontae okay. Leach is someone who's going to look for contact, and I'm pretty sure he's not looking for a DB on contact. He looking, he's looking for a linebacker or a lineman. I, I, I would say, honestly, it was it was the opposite of that, that Vontae Leach looked to maintain his momentum and not U-turn at all costs. So he was looking to get out in front of the play. And one of the nice things about being able to get downfield is – that's the guy. That safety is often the last line of defense or even that corner um, who's going to make the tackle when all else fails. So it is it's that block that turns 10 into 35. You know, right. somebody has to chase the ball down from corner or, or from the other safety spot from the other side of the field or whatnot. So it, it, there is a lot of value to those blocks. I, I was wondering, you know, how you had had it taught to you. But as the guard, you're always the first guy through. So your choice is you, you have a usually a um, target rich environment by the time you get to that B gap on the right side from left guard. Yep. You, you, you have, a, you, you oftentimes have two guys to choose from. You can, you can, you turn and seal sometimes, or you can get upfield. It might even be a kickout opportunity on somebody who's coming back to the play from the outside, whether that's a DB or, or even a, a defensive end, maybe who, who got off his guy. Um, so you, you have, you have the best of all worlds. The second blocker, often has to take something less. Yeah. And I think he's, he's you know, fullback doesn't. Fullback always gets a, gets a prime cut of meat there. But the, but, the, uh, but the second blocker has to take what he can get. And I, I like tackles who are um, effective at just maintaining momentum and, and getting out to somebody level three. It's one of the things I always loved about Stanley in his prime was that mm-hmm. he had the quickness 
to get way out in front of a play and still make an effective block in what was effectively level three uh, to help that run play. I guess when I gave that scenario, I was looking at it from a guard's perspective still. <laughs> so, yes, you're exactly right. I think that makes more sense, Morgan, someone who's, like I said, I wish it wasn't a DB every time, but he's making those impact blocks and it's spring. So keep it that way. All right. So a couple of things more about about Moses here. Uh, four level twos, no pancakes, three out of four on pulls. I, I think I already went through that. C plus after adjustment for him. Really quickly, since I want to get on to the, the, the other players in the game, and particularly the skill position players, Cleveland four for four as a sixth offensive lineman. McCary came in for just one play. By the way, they took Ronnie Stanley out of the game for the Edwards direct snap play. They went with that weird unba- six unbalanced right formation. So basically they, they put in McCary, covered up Moses on the right side with him rather than putting him in at left tackle. So it was just on the left side, it was just Simpson and then a tight end who were lined mm-hmm. up to the left of Linderbaum. Then they had McCary lined up to the right of Moses, and then to the right of him, they had Simpson as a sixth offensive lineman inserted, and they tried to run behind that. And um, I think maybe some of what what you were talking about earlier in the in – the, maybe it was in the first part, maybe it was early in this show, was that um, Edwards kind of gave away that he yeah. wanted to run right early. I mean, the, the, the center of the offensive line was all the way over the right as it was. Yep. So it, it might have been some of that was that. But unfortunately um, – that was not a good play to not work out. Yeah. It was a, just a bit of nice play to, to be able to get to. The one I did want to point out, I think Cleveland, I don't know if you caught this in the fourth quarter, he did play left Three guard. Snaps, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in that series. I wonder what that was about. So I, I thought Simpson had not had a terrible series, the series before, um, but it was a little odd that he came out of the game. So, so uh, Simpson returned. And yeah. played more, and and honestly, you know, played up and down before it, and up and down after it. Uh, I think it was just maybe they wanted to see see uh, Cleveland for a series in there. They thought they were going to run the football, and maybe they thought that that uh, Cleveland could give them a little bit of a change of pace there at that position. I mean, he did okay. I mean, he yeah. held up on all his blocks. So yeah. I don't know. Very weird. Yeah, solid game. Um, Cleveland is one of the guys who the Ravens really need to get something out of him in in year four, and and for that to happen. I almost think they're gonna they're gonna need to see more this year mm-hmm. of what he's got because I mean next year he's he's a cut candidate in camp if yep. if he doesn't if he's not one of their top eight offensive linemen he probably just gets cut at that point. Yeah. Yep. All right. How about we move on? We'll talk skill position players here, um, and we'll go through hopefully name about four or five. But uh, you haven't done this before. But uh, you give me a player you want to talk about. Make your uh, make your pitch on the guy and what you saw in the game. I'll kind of respond to that, and then uh, and then I'll take the next guy. Uh, I think I'll take the obvious one, um, Isaiah Likely. I think he had a really good game this week. Uh, the main thing I saw from him is he had decisiveness in his after-the-catch making. I think uh, previously he wasn't really confident in what he could do after the catch. Now I think that the pressure of Andrews not being there, I think the intensity of his game has picked up a little bit. All of our penalties, not all of our penalties, but a majority of the penalties that we had on the drive, the next play we're going to likely to get the trunk back. And it was encouraging to see that, that he became the go-to guy in those situations and hoping that we can build on that going forward. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a terrific game for Likely in a lot of ways. Had a 14-yard play that got wiped out um, that you, yep. you talked about in terms of the penalty. And, and uh, um, really good yards after the catch, obviously more than his total yards, 44 and 40. Um, 
so it's, it's, it's not exactly the perfect combination. I do want to see likely get the ball some downfield. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you got a big tight end uh, who can effectively, you know, has good speed and can can make something happen after the catch, that's a it's it's definitely a big positive. So a night very nice to see. Now likely was the guy going back to Coastal Carolina that ran on the funny track and ran a really slow forty, right? And that's one of the reasons why the Ravens got him. I'm pretty sure, yes, hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, that was a that was a nice little nice little pick up there after taking Kolar with their first of the fourth round picks. Um, I'll go on. I'll talk about um, who do I want to talk about? Well, let's talk about Keaton Mitchell. Okay. Uh, you know, it, I I think a lot of people are thoroughly enamored with Keaton's speed, and that's terrific. What I've really been impressed with is the missed tackles forced. Is that mm. um, he runs right through contact. And some of it is there's a lot of lunging going on probably because of speed. So these aren't the greatest arm tackles he's facing. Um, Doesn't seem like anybody ever really gets completely closed up around the guy, but he runs right through that contact as it's happening. And uh, he's got a terrific missed tackle rate among um, uh, running backs in this, in the NFL right now, he's got 13 in 29 carries. So that's what almost over 40% of the time. Wow. Yeah, and um, uh, the best in the league. Let's go to this real quickly because um, the best in the in the whole league at missed tackles forced. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has forty five yeah. a year in one hundred and ninety three attempts. So he's got more than three, a little bit more than three times as many, but he's got uh, what more than six times as many attempts. So you can see the difference in in terms of what's going on. I think Jalen Warren is one of the highest percentages and he's still lower than Mitchell has been so far. He's 36 on 93. So he's what at about maybe 38, 39%, something like that. Um, and so Mitchell's a little bit higher than him and he's really, he's running very well right now. He's one of the top backs in the league, frankly, in terms of what he's providing uh, on the run for Pittsburgh. So very happy with Mitchell's power and we're all thrilled about his speed. Uh, great to see him present himself for Lamar on that 11 mm-hmm. yard play, which is one of the few, uh, times an extended play worked out for the Ravens in this game. Yeah. Uh, quick side note. I love uh, Jalen Warren, and I hate that we have to face him a year in and a year out coming forward. He's a very physical back. But going back to Mitchell, the one thing that I would say that he's going to get better with as time mo- moves on is the vision. I know I brought it up earlier. Um, he kind of ran himself out of a stretch play that could have gone for more. Uh, there was a couple of plays where I feel like maybe he got a little tunnel vision and he, especially, I think it was a third down play. I think John Harbaugh and the coaches were in his ear saying, just go for it, get these yards when potentially he could have squared himself up and bounced it back to the outside. Cause everyone was condensing in trying to prevent the first down. But overall Keaton Mitchell is probably the biggest surprise of this year. He's the biggest joy of this year. I think moving forward, he has a lot of responsibility going forward, and I mm-hmm. think they're prepping him for that moving into the back half of the season. Yeah, it'll be him and Hill on the team next year if Hill even makes it. Hill could be a cut, a, a cap casualty, but um, Mitchell, beginning as soon as they picked him up as a UDFA, he was the most important back in camp in terms of being a guy who who you're trying to see what you have for 2024 as quickly as possible. Um, the Ravens, I think, will be able to do it with a draft pick, maybe a UDFA, and um, possibly still Hill and Mitchell next year. Uh, Mitchell will have a lot of responsibility, and, and frankly, it's a lot of injury risk for the Ravens to take. 
because yeah. uh, one of you know if if they're if they're most important if they if you have one most important back that's a that's a that's a big risk to take and I really don't want to see the Ravens go with a lot of veteran running backs with it. I want it to be younger guys. So whoever they get, it should be should be ours or ones who were discarded, or, you know, guys who still have some of their speed left, or it should be guys that that come out of the draft directly and the Ravens then get a four year commitment from, uh, in terms of having those uh, those ERFA. I sorry, a four year contract actually for a draft pick. What's the possibility we extend something to J.K. I could. It could be a one. That's a one year band aid. If they do yeah. that, you know, they would they would give it the. It's, it, it certainly is possible. If it's cheap, I'm all for yeah. it. I I don't want to pay J.K. Dobbins three million dollars. I, I you know yeah. if, if he's going to make the vet minimum and maybe have some incentives that take him to two and a half. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I think that would be a good quote unquote backup to Keaton Mitchell. I think they would be technically one A one B like they were with Gus and uh, J.K. But it's the power back is going to be the issue if that becomes the situation. So I don't think we can keep Gus Keaton and uh, JK. Fair to say though, that the power back is the most replaceable of the group. And I'm not saying Edwards specifically is replaceable because Edwards is a hell of a lot more than just a a power back. He has some elusiveness. He, he brings some things to the table that are really good for a power back. But if you, if, if you have to replace your speed back, you could be in a lot of trouble. Because mm-hmm. those guys get protected, you 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 don't have an easy access to them. If if you you have a, there's always a, usually a slasher or two that's out there. If you want your cutback zone guy, that guy is probably available out there somewhere. But he's just there's a lot to choose from. You have to pick through a lot of a lot of kiss a lot of frogs to, to yeah. like find the find the right one. And and the power back, I think you got a better chance to assimilate somebody in the Ravens system. I've always thought that was easier based on having Lamar around that they'd be able to find somebody. And that's not to say that Gus Edwards hasn't been one hell of a freaking football player. Yep. But uh, uh, I think the Ravens would be, it would not be in their best interest to sign him to a two-year deal at this point. I think you, 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 you if there's a one-year deal to be had, sure. Um, definitely don't want a, a, you know, a three-year deal or anything. And, and I honestly, I don't see how they give him a lot of money at this point. I think it's, he's a, um, you know, Two and a half million dollar a year guy, maybe for two years. Um, I, I I'd love him at that price. I I wouldn't want to see him two years, eight million. Yeah, I'm curious to see how some of the pending free agents we have how they fare on the market. Like, I want to see what some of these teams are willing to pay for some of our premier players coming off a uh, contract. But um, moving into my next player, I have Odell Beckham Jr. Even though he didn't have a real big impact on the game, I think in the beginning, especially in the first quarter, mm-hmm. it was very encouraging to see him in the offense incorporated, even though on script. We want to start seeing more off-script plays from him. But it was good to see him get involved and look good, even though he's uh, laboring that shoulder injury. I thought overall he was running well. He didn't have any issue, looked fluid. Um, like I mentioned, that slot fade, that was a really good route by him. He had separation on that. Just the ball, unfortunately, was a little too too far. But other than that, I, I'm i liking the way Beckham has progressed, especially Mark Andrews dropping out. He had the Hunter game immediately after that. And then now I think they might have had him on a pitch count at the end of the game, trying to preserve him going into the bye. Because I don't think uh, if you have his snap counts available, I don't know what the percentage were between the breakdowns and the receiver, but I'm pretty sure he had the lower end of that. Yeah, Beckham played only 23 snaps in the game, so I think you're you're right on the money with that. 
Um, they did a good chance, good job of spreading them out, uh, but they've done a better job in the past. Flowers, 67. Bateman, 57. Mm-hmm. Aguilar, 29. Beckham, 23. So I think you're right on the pitch count that that even though he got five targets in the game, he uh, uh, he was he, they were trying to limit him. Yeah, and I think they're doing the right thing because we need Odell for the big-time games. We're not in the business of uh, using our horses when we don't need them. I don't even know if he was on the field for that celebration play, but I wish he hadn't done it. Um, you know, I wish he'd just kind of gone over to Flowers, put his arm around him, say, "Hey, you know, rookie, this is this is a time you gotta you gotta take a kneel." I know you wanted that touchdown and whatnot, but we we can't do the celebration under these circumstances, kind of thing. Yeah, um, I, a lot of fans say that they're glad he, they're glad he scored, but in all reality, I was thinking maybe that wasn't the best thing when he did that. It was a guaranteed run out in three plays because the Chargers would have had to take their last time out. Yeah. Before first down, then it's it Neil, Neil, Neil runs out the clock, and then you go back on the field. You put your defense at risk for five more plays. You know, you always want to reduce contested plays. Period. I mean, you, you, a game that you've won, treat it like a preseason game at the end. You yeah. get the damn thing over with. Yep. Um, so uh, you you could see the frustration, and, and obviously the Ravens are a good organization at masking their internal frustrations well to the outside world. Yeah. But. If you watch how NBC presented that as well as they did, yep, Garrett, being ex-head coach, was pissed off in real time that, mm-hmm. that he, did, he did, didn't take a knee. He didn't exactly say it that way, but he thought it was a stupid play. And and you had um, uh, Roquan shaking his head. Yeah. You got a defensive player walking away from that end zone, shaking his head after a touchdown. That is a terrible look. Yeah, and, I know. but but Roquan is you know as we know the most aware on-field player the Ravens seem to have based on on you know the, allowing the the, the two minute the famous now two minute tackle the Titans yeah yeah so just a, a uh, it, it was one of those plays but but I'll tell you that that Beckham I think the fact that they're going back to him on the slant and mm-hmm. finding a strength for him that that should pay dividends um he, he's gotten free on several of those plays and particularly when they have some misdirection um, paired up with that slant, that often creates an opportunity for a bigger play. And I, I agree with you that I think some of the speed looks like it's back, which is nice. And uh, he's going to need to make some big plays for the Ravens down the stretch. And uh, I don't have unreasonable expectations. I, you know, I'm not looking for 75 yards a game from Beckham for the rest of the rest of the season. But I sure would love to get 40 yards a game out of him if that yep. could be done. That's a 680 yard pace. It's above what anybody what what above what the you know the line was in terms of an over under on him for the whole year. It's certainly way above what I would have expected. So if if there's a way he could get 40 yards a game for the for the rest of the season, I'd be pretty excited about that. Yeah, that'd be great. I think uh, to your point about him springing open on those slant plays, I think the design was crucial to him getting open. Um, similar to the. Asante Samuel potential pick that he had uh, on the flat throw to Zay. We ran the same motion coming across, uh, likely going from right to left and slowly getting underneath Zay to set the block on a screen. They ran that same concept with Keaton flaring out to the right, Bateman, Bateman coming back on the slant, and they have the quick screen option to the left. I think since we kept running those quick screens, it set up Bateman to be, I mean, uh, Beckham to be one-on-one on the right side. And it's that play was called at least five times I've seen on my, uh, on my list that I have here. So it was, it was almost 
expected that Asante Samuel was sitting on that route because we were running the same play all day. I mean, because it's identical. Zay would just step back and then two people would get in front of him. I think any good defensive player would be able to dissect that. So I think uh, Monkey needs to maybe alter the way he presents that play. Or, or come up with some different route where, where Beckham can help the team other than just a slant or other exactly. than just, yeah. You know, so, yeah, I, I would agree. And, and obviously if, if you, if you have a move at the top of the route and a slant is not really that, but if you have a move to make at the top of the route, that means you got to have two. So mm-hmm. if, if you're Derek Mason and you, you can go or you can hitch and you can do both effectively and you can sell it the wrong way, you know, Bateman has is a special receiver in his ability to show a lot of different routes. Um, Flowers is a special athlete in terms of being able to be sudden, but he's not really, he doesn't throw a juke at the opposing player, really. He Mm. mostly just takes a false step and goes without concern for the consequence (laughs) to the player opposite him. It's a little different. By the way, in terms of you know trying to time up how your your opponent is making the mistake and then beat him that way, um, but but in terms of of Beckham, he's he's still one of the best route runners in the NFL for the last decade, and that should be something if they can if they can get to the top of the route in these last five games in these last you know what we hope are nine games, um, you know hopefully he uh, can show that a little more. All right, um, I'm gonna I think we've talked about everybody else on our list. Um, we talked about the, the the play with Flowers. Flowers did not get many big opportunities down the field. He's back to effectively being a glorified gadget player in this game. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with respect to him? And then I think we'll move on to the MVPs in the mailback here. Uh, I think not really directed towards Flowers. I think uh, Devin Duvernay has been completely phased out of the offense. I think uh, those two jet sweeps were the nail in the coffin. I just... I don't think anything else can brew out. I think this is probably his last year as a Raven. He's we paid him three million dollars to be a punt returner and a kick returner, and that hasn't even been worth it this year. So, it's, he uh, he's had a, a you know a decent career as a Raven. He might even make the Pro Bowl again this year. By the way, um, yeah. it, it wouldn't be out of the question. But um, he is a he's a player who, unfortunately, and this is this is one of the unfortunate circumstances, the dirty little thing in football, but it is what it is. Um, when you Pro Bowl vote for your own team, you do cost your team cap. So you, yeah, you you can get a player some extra money, and you want to be happy for that player, and we like these players, and they deserve it, and yada yada. But trying to get Queen elected, for example, for the Pro Bowl last year, could have cost the Ravens cap this year. Uh, the, 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 the Duvernay election to the pro bowl meant that instead of making whatever he was on his original contract, which was not that much, you know, over a million dollars, but not much, he made 4.304 million this year, which is the, the, uh, upgraded for pro bowl level during your first four years. You, You really don't want that. It takes away cap flexibility. So I know a lot of people are encouraging people to, um, retweet for pro bowl votes, um, Brandon Stevens, especially. Yeah, I mean, vote your conscience by all means, but Brandon Stevens is a perfect example of it's going to cost us a lot of money if he makes the Pro yep. Bowl. Yep. yep. And and you know, I'm not. While while I love Brandon Stevens, I love what he's done. I would love to have him at at you know a million and a half rather than four million. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right, but he's a that is a great example, and and I I you know I'm I'm even thinking about you know being Doctor Evil in this regard that. You know, if if there was a big 
push for the Ravens to get somebody else's player voted in the Pro Bowl. That would be pretty cool. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> Jalen Warren, let's get him into the Pro Bowl. <laughs> have him be a cap problem for the for the Steelers of the future. I mean, seriously, it's a it's a legitimate uh, how'd strategy. That, how did it work for Huntley though? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if Huntley. No, Huntley was a he wasn't a um, starter. He no, he wasn't. He didn't have a four year deal because he was uh, undrafted. So he was an RFA, and then the Ravens ended up paying him. Um, it, 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 he did, his Pro Bowl didn't matter for purposes of the contract. I see. I see. Okay, let's. I, I do have one good mailbag question I want to go to here, and we're, we're we're getting real tight on time here. But this question came from Mark Liu, and and this is an interesting. One. He says, "Can I have a legitimate question that may seem strange, but do the Ravens need to be paying LJ forty million to be a game manager? I think they have the same record with a serviceable quarterback like Mayfield. I think they would have. They they would have. That's what he says. This defense has carried the team, and I don't see the value we are getting with Lamar." All right. I'll, I'm going to start. I completely disagree in yeah, terms of him being, <laughs> being a game manager. Lamar is, has played a very high level this year. And if you really want to see how you can blow a game with a bad quarterback, put Baker Mayfield in with this defense and and see how things pan out. Um, uh, he's, it's not like he's been terrible for Tampa or anything. Uh, he is playing with a good defense right now, but but Tampa's five and six or something. And we're saying, are we looking for that? Is, is that what we're, we're really hoping for? Um it it uh, I, I'm I'm not a believer. How about you? I when you take a step back and you kind of not look at the gameplay so much in the sense of stats. Lamar's a winner. Yep, he wins. There's no in between. He took us to nine and three records three straight years. He took us to a fourteen and two record. He saved us out of hell when Joe Flacco was hurt. I mean. What else do you want from the guy? He's and you go the other direction. We've seen what Tyler Huntley has done when he's been in there. And while Tyler Huntley has battled valiantly, came pretty yep. close in the playoff game, um, Tyler Huntley has not won ball games. Josh Johnson, in the couple starts he's got, has not won ball games. So uh, it's it's I, I I really you know I I I really appreciate you taking the time to ask the question. And it, it, it nobody should feel like an inspection of that type is out of line you know, to really ask that question. But I, I don't, I don't think there's a second tier quarterback that would have delivered um, anything close to these kind of results for the Ravens that, that, that they've been uh, been able to put together so far this season in 12 games. Lamar's X factor. Huntley doesn't have the it factor that you need yeah. to take your person to the next level. You, you know, that's a great point. He makes everybody else better on this offense. It's not just about Lamar's own stats and what, you know, Lamar managing the game or whatever. I mean, Lamar makes Mitchell a better runner. Lamar exactly. makes Edwards a better runner. Lamar makes Ricard a valuable player, you know, et cetera. So you take away Lamar from the offense, the run game probably crumbles. Yeah. So I, to say he's a game manager, maybe you're not watching the game. Well, I, I, I'm not going to beat on the guy. He's a regular listener. He has good questions. He's, I think he's actually done a short one time. But um, but anyway, don't be afraid to ask the the um, uninspected, the look under a rock. I just don't think there's a you know there's a there's a gold piece under this rock here uh, where you're looking for it. Yeah. Um, let's talk uh, one more question here. This is from Miggy Duran. He's a, a good guy. Has been on the show at least once. Um, would a change of side help Ronnie extend his career? I know it's easier said than done. Why don't you go first on this, uh, given your offensive line background? I definitely have some things to say. It's 
So in high school, I interchanged from left to right most of the time. I would say interior is easier to be interchangeable because you're kind of limited into the range that you have to kick step or set past that. But as a tackle, Ronnie's pretty sure he's been a tackle all his life, left tackle. So it's not like McCary where he's been getting continuous reps on each side for three, four seasons now. It's it's going to be a hot. It's going to look worse on the right side than it is the left side. I, I'll add something to this. I think that not only would I not be sure it, it would work in terms of dominant arm and all the, all the things, his usual stance and his footwork and how that would have to change and whatnot. I think that might not work out, but it might be okay. And let's say it were okay. I'm still not paying $25 million for, for yeah. a right tackle. I mean, he's, he's he has to be a left tackle to be a Raven. Yeah. I, when, once he's not able to play, he can't play on this contract here anymore. So um, they, they'd have to let him go. So anyway, I, if I – I suspect the next move from left tackle for Ronnie is to um, a nice send off from the Ravens, probably a one day contract at some point. If he, if he goes to play for another team, um, if he's, he'll, you know, I'm sure he'll be brought back and, and be highly thought of for, for what he's done for this franchise. But unfortunately, you know, that nasty ass injury really derailed what looked to be at least a ring of honor career. And that is just sad as hell. TJ Watt is definitely on my uh, most hated list. Not Fair even just overall. I don't like the guy. All right, let's let's do the MVPs here real quickly because I gotta I gotta get going here. So uh, we'll go three to one. Who's your number three guy? Uh, three. I have Flowers. I have him as number three only because he did have the game winning touchdown technically, but he made the boo boo on not taking the knee in time, but. Overall, he was our number one playmaker other than Mitchell. But okay. Flowers is my number two guy. You know, I, I want to weight this properly. And I'll just say, you know, 97% of the value of that play was getting that first down. Maybe maybe 99%. The Ravens needed that first down to put that game away at that point. He did it. Yep. And the fact that he, that he um, you know, scored on the on the hundred point item and lost on the one point item or or, or failed on the one point item i'm not going to penalize him too much for him i just want to i want the organization to get that systemically fixed for all players expect more in terms of of what every player is doing so that we don't have five extra defensive snaps and we don't you know give an extra one percent chance of the the other team coming back and winning the game and uh, it's it just it, it, from that point, it was it was, uh, uh, you know, a, a negative. But I got to look back to the play itself and it was a positive. And, and, you know, he did the thing he needed to do to seal that game for the Ravens. Ninety nine percent of the way shot. <laughs> he just didn't get the last one percent. So anyway, Flowers is my number two guy. Uh, likely is my number three guy. Uh, 44 of his 40 yards were yak, as I mentioned a couple times already. Um, definitely a guy who uh, did a lot of good job, uh, a lot of uh, uh, value came running after uh, making the catch. By the way, one of the guys who's really underrated as a blocker on this team, Zay Flowers, has done some mm-hmm. really good things maintaining blocks in level two. It's almost like he's angry about his size and he wants to show it against every defensive back in the league. Um, in terms of uh, of just holding on to those blocks, but he's done a very good job of that this year. He there was one run that I saw that it might have been on an inside zone. Uh, somehow Flowers got inside in the linebacker area, and if Keaton was able to 
keep pressing the hole inside, there was a big gap because Zay was sealing the linebacker. And I was like, what? How is he there? But Zay is very capable of blocking and he's willing. And I think that was something that. Oh, having trouble hearing you here. All right. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, you're number two guy. Are you there, Frazier? Yeah, I'm here. I had uh, Isaiah Luckley as number two okay, because of uh, the impact that he had in the beginning of the game, the big plays he made in the yak. And then on top of that, to not fold under pressure like he's done in the past, especially last year after he had those high expectations and he kind of wet the bed in the beginning of the year and then came on strong, being able to immediately make an impact right after your top guy leaves it's it was big time for me and i since we had flowers was my number two guy so we swapped the two three guys and your number one guy i'm assuming i know who it is keaton mitchell i think um he's continuing to be the story of the season showing that not just this year but next year we have our running back position in good hands. So continue to see his growth, the increase in snaps, increase in carries, and just the in-game experience is invaluable for him. So Keaton Mitchell is my number one. Yeah, in-game experience, valuable for him, valuable for the team to know yep. what they have. Now this team can feel secure about going into next season with you know one running back slot filled and an important one, the speed, the speed slot that they've had a hard, a lot of time, a lot of trouble finding league-wide in mm-hmm. the two years that Dobbins, um, you, you know, missed some playing time. So anyway, real nice to 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 see that taken care of. I've got Mitchell there as well. Really weird game because the the defense had probably 12 guys that I'm trying to pick three MVPs from. I know. And it's was- really hard. And the offense, there's no offensive lineman who stood out. Lamar had a bad game. You know, you, and, and the, the receivers, generally speaking, were not productive in terms of yards per target. And you're really struggling to find who's the player. I saw MVP on the production list. I was going to say Clowney, but I was like, wait, we're on offense. <laughs> so it was tough. It was tough. All right. Real pleasure doing the show with you. Uh, we'll make sure uh, we get you back on air, Frazier. But uh, this was a lot of fun. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online. You guys can reach me at Twitter slash X at F underscore R-A-V-E-8. That's F underscore Rave 8. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there who want to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I want to hear your ideas. I want to talk to some new people. I'm out there scouring Twitter for new charts and whatnot, new metrics to get uh, uh, put down. And we've got a very cool one coming up on the pace of play versus the expected pace of play. Something to look for during this bye week uh, done by Sam Hoppen. Just brilliant kind of an idea in terms of how you put together a model like that um, because the Ravens have led a lot of games, for example, so you'd be expecting them to play slow. They've actually played a little faster than expectation, uh, but still have been one of the slowest teams in the National Football League because they're one of the best teams in the National Football League. So uh, very thought-provoking kind of a, a, a study that he did that I think is going to be worth a listen uh, having just recorded that today. But uh, I want to hear from you on the, on those sorts of uh, ideas and also just anything you're passionate about, about the Baltimore Ravens. It doesn't have to be a statistic. It could be what the Ravens do next year at some position. It could be a, um, you know, a scheme thing or a front office thing or whatever you, you want to talk about. Frazier, great doing this with you. Thank you, Ken. Always a pleasure. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.